there was this church Sunday morning, this old-timey preacher was standing up at the pulpit preaching his sermon. And after speaking for about 10 minutes, he said, if I had all the beer in the world, I would throw it in a river. You know, so he's an old-timey, real legalistic type guy. Then a little while later, he was preaching, and he said, if I had all the wine in the world, I would throw it in the river. He's getting really intense now. He's getting really upset, and he keeps going. He keeps ranting and raving, and about 15 minutes later, he says, if I had all the whiskey in the world and all the bourbon in the world, I'd just throw it in the river. And he talked for a few more minutes and sat down. Then the the worship leader came up and stood up and with a sheepish, sheepish smile on his face, he said, now would the congregation please stand? We're going to sing hymn number 134. It's called, Let's All Gather Down at the River. (laughs) I just, there's no reason why I shared that. I just thought it was a great story. So there you go. That's the introduction for today. Zero correlation with what we're actually talking about. But hey, let's start reading the Bible and see what happens. Colossians chapter 1, the last two verses of chapter 1 are this, verses 28 and 29. Him we preach. Talking about Jesus is the hymn, okay? Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Okay, so preaching. What in the world is preaching? Um, That's a good question. We got to know what that is before we start, before we even talk about what the Bible just said. We got to know what preaching is, and it's declaring God's word to people. That's how we define preaching, but preaching is something that everybody does. I mean, you've preached. I love preaching. Like, I really enjoy this. I enjoy standing in front of people and telling, talking about the Bible and telling stories. It's just my thing. Anyone else like doing this? Anyone hate doing this? Like, would hate never want to stand up in front of people and preach? Anyone would hate it? You would hate it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Some people, that's like, yeah, they're nervous, right? I I have never been nervous when standing in front of people. I think that's just like the way that God made me. So it's not that I'm, I'm just weird. That's all it is. Amen. Amen. My first amen of the day. Yes. Yeah, but we love you anyway. So... But preaching is stuff we do. Preaching is just when you, when you have something in your heart that you want to share with somebody else. You know, I've heard people preach about COVID. I've heard people preach about the vaccines. I've heard people preach about football. You know, I've heard people preach about a lot of things that they want to talk to me about. The homeless guy on the street preaches to me about giving him money. Right? He's, he's very passionate about it. That's, that's kind of what preaching is in the world. But for us as Christians is that we proclaim God's message. Usually it happens in church. Someone stands up to preach in church. Um, but you can preach on your phone. You can preach over text. 
and uh, you can preach on Facebook. I don't know how effective any of those will be, but it could happen. You could, you could do that. But it's sharing what God wants people to know about himself. So when you're on Facebook and you say, God hates you, is that what God wants people to know about himself? No. That's called false preaching. You're preaching something that's not true. God doesn't hate that person. No matter who they are, God loves them. And that's why uh, when we're at church, we want to preach the truth about God, what he really is. And when you're preaching in your life, when you're sharing God's word, you want, to, you want to tell the truth about him. God loves to use preaching and preachers. Whenever you speak up to share about Jesus, you are preaching. And I think preaching is love. I think preaching is the most loving thing you could do. Let me, for example, if you were a doctor and you had the cure for cancer, and someone and you met someone on the street that needed that cure and you just shut your mouth and turned around and walked away would that be loving no it wouldn't be loving is sharing with people what they need the healing the the truth that could set them free and so that's that's why i think preaching is love People should know that they are cared for and loved. Even uh, well. And today we're simply going to learn what we are all supposed to preach. This is not what Sean is supposed to preach, but it's what Yuri is supposed to preach. And Jared is supposed to preach. And Nathan is supposed to preach. And everybody else. I just thought I'd pick on you guys. All right. So, and it's actually not a thing that we preach we are preaching a person. It's who we preach. And you guys know who that person is. Jesus. So, him we preach, not something else. If Jesus is all sufficient, as he clearly claims to be, then why would we need to preach about anything else? Why would we need to talk about anything else if Jesus is the Savior. Jesus always needs to be the hero in any sermon that you ever hear or in any preaching that you listen to or give. If he is not, then you should run. If, they, if someone wants to talk to you about something else, it's not right. But why then, guys, why do so many churches and so many pastors talk about things besides Jesus? I've heard sermons about money. I've heard sermons about good works and efforts and serving. I've heard sermons about church programs, lots of church programs. I've heard sermons about guilt. I've heard sermons about laws. I've heard sermons about politics. I've heard sermons about global warming. I've heard sermons about different doctrines. I've heard sermons about me. I've heard sermons about you. I've heard sermons about the pastor's family and his experiences. I hear lots and lots of sermons about self-help and self-confidence and self-esteem. Tune in to last week if you have also have any questions about that. 
I've heard sermons about the past. I've heard sermons about the future. I've heard sermons about dinosaurs. And I've heard sermons about aliens. I've even heard a sermon about a cow. It was a heifer. That wasn't supposed to be a joke, but it actually was kind of funny. <laughs> and here's the thing, okay? Some of those might have been very good topics to discuss, maybe even to debate. Chick-fil-A might pay me to do a sermon about a cow. They might be good topics to dialogue on, but all those things that I mentioned are not the gospel. Pastors have one job, and that is to preach the gospel, which is what Jesus brings to us and gives to us. So really, all we need to do is preach him. We don't preach a doctrine, but a person. So I need help from three volunteers who would just want to read a scripture for me, okay? Nathan, thanks for volunteering. Kevin, thanks for volunteering. And Josh, thanks for volunteering. You have a phone, and there's a Bible right in front of you. Look, thanks for being an example. All right, Nathan, you're going to read Romans 10.15. Kevin, you're going to read 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, I can't read my writing. Let me check what that one is. Like, I thought he typed his notes. One fifteen. <laughs> uh, seventeen. Okay, Kevin, you're going to read Mark sixteen fifteen. Okay, seventeen. And uh, who was the other person? Josh. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. All right, Nathan, stand up. Romans 10, 15. All right. Thanks for reading the word of God for us. Awesome. Thank you. So, God thinks that it's beautiful when we share his gospel. Kevin, go ahead and stand up. <laughs> up, down, up, down. You're reading Mark 16, 15. Every creature. That's who God's, every person that you could possibly think of. That's who we're supposed to preach to. All right, Josh, stand up real loud. Amen. Thank you very much. So we can even get distracted. That last verse was really cool. He says, I, I just want to preach the gospel, not even smart words. I don't want to even try to trick people or try to convince people. I just want to present the truth to them so that they have the dignity of choosing it for themselves. So it is so vital that we understand that it's him we preach you don't have to make up anything about Jesus. You don't have to make Jesus seem better than he is because he's pretty stinking awesome. All about, you don't have to exaggerate anything Jesus has done. 
We just preach what he's done. And that's what this is about. Him we preach. All right, him we preach because we know him. Because we know him. I'm going to read to you John 17, verse 3, which says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So all of eternal life, what are we going to be doing? Just knowing God. And knowing God is not something that you accomplish. It's not like a video game where you get to level 10 and you win, or 10,278 level Candy Crush. But it's, she's not there quite. She's at like... 9,000-something or something. Anyway, that's not how knowing God works. God is infinite, so knowing him is an infinite thing. It goes beyond. You can never get bored with knowing God. You can never come to the end, well, I figured everything out about God. No, his, his depth of love, compassion, humor, uh, Wisdom, it just goes on and on, and we find that it's the only thing that will ever satisfy us, is knowing God. We preach him because we know him. He has revealed himself to us. We have a personal relationship with God, and that's what we preach, that God has invited all men to know him. We don't preach opinions. Well, what I think about the Bible, or what I think about God is this or that. No, we just preach, we simply preach what we know. And we know God, that God has brought us into a, a knowing relationship with himself through Jesus. We're not guessing. We have the truth. We know what God thinks about sin. Ew, gross. And sinners. Ooh, gross. And us. Wait a second. Thank you. He re- Jesus has revealed God to us and all, how God thinks about all these things. He has made God knowable and brought us into a real relationship with, with God. Where, where he's our father, just like Jesus was his son and just how Jesus enjoyed this relationship with his father and was always talking about his father. That's what he's invited us into. So I'm going to read to you Hebrews 8, 11. This is speaking of the promise of what Jesus would accomplish. He says, None of them shall teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. When Jesus died on the cross, he changed things. See, before that, you had to have someone help you have a relationship with God. There was a priest that would take your sacrifices, and you had to kill the sacrifice, of, the sacrifice animal to forgive your sins. And so you couldn't have a relationship with God by yourself. That just didn't work. But when Jesus died, he was the, the sacrificial lamb that was killed. So now you don't have to, you come through his sacrifice and you can have a direct relationship with God. And it says from the least of them to the greatest of them. And that means it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You are on the exact equal level as every other person who Jesus died for. That's amazing gospel stuff. So we preach what we know, and Jesus has helped us to know God, really. Him we preach. We preach what he did and not what we must do. He did 
good works, nay. He did great works, nay, nay. He did the best works. I just said nay four times. Always wanted to do that in a sermon. We can't do what he did. We can't even compare. We can't compete. Our works always fall short. They're always flawed. They're always insufficient. But by faith in him, our hearts are changed, and and his goodness seeps out into our practical lives. By and, and what we do starts to honor God and So our preaching needs to always be centered on what Jesus has done for us. So you get a call from a friend. The friend's like, I don't know what I'm doing in my life. My life is horrible. What do I do? You have a choice right then. What are you going to tell them? Are you going to tell them what they need to do to fix their life? Or are you going to tell them what Jesus has done for them? If you tell them what Jesus has done for them, you give them an option to trust in him, to cast their cares upon him. When you tell them what they must do, you are giving them no option because they will fail at whatever you tell them to do no matter what it is. I'm telling you guys, when we preach him, we preach only him. What he has done for us, not what we have to do for him. That all happens by his grace. He transforms us, but that's how we give people the gospel. What he did for us. God never wants to coerce anyone. He's never tricking anybody. He wants to save people through the gospel. He's never trying to motivate you to change yourself. Why would he do that when he knows that the end result of you trying to change yourself is failure? He says, look at what my son has done, and that will transform you. You know, he promises to change us if we simply believe in and hope in the gospel alone. That's it. Jesus will do the changing work for you. Our job, our work is simply to believe and to abide. So if you want to help your friend to understand what they must do, you can help them to understand what it means to believe and to abide. And here's two verses that will help you in that. John chapter 6, verses 28 says, And they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? See that question? It's a good question. They asked Jesus. Jesus said to them, this is the work of God that you believe on him who he sent. Do you see how Jesus answered that question? He basically says, stop. Stop thinking about what you need to do. Because it all leads to a dead end. And instead, believe on what Jesus did. That's the way that this works. The second verse that helps us with that is John 15, 5, which says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. 
So we're preaching what he did, not what we must do. But if you want to talk about what we need to do, believe and abide, there you go. But those things are not works. Those are not things that you do. Those are, those are attitudes. Those are, that's a heart that's dependent upon God. All right, next, him we preach, and we don't worry about entertainment. Him we preach, not entertainment. Some sermons try way too hard to entertain. <laughs> it distracts us from the message of grace, doesn't it? When there's, I, I'm not going to make specific examples, uh, but there can be things that, uh, that are just so exciting that they take your attention away from what Jesus has done. Entertainment can quickly become an idol that we put our trust in. But on the other side, we shouldn't be boring either. We should be serious and sincere and joyful as we preach. Are you going to call a friend who's like, you know, your, your life is going down and, and you're going to call a friend and they're like, let's just go party. That's what you need. You just need a distraction from your life. So let's just go entertain ourselves. When you're feeling down, is that really what you are yearning for? No, it's not. What if you call the friend and they're like, you know what? Life is terrible. We need to just, let's just hide in the dark and drink our tears. And that's also not presenting any hope either. So we have to find a way to be sincere and give people what Jesus is to us, which is life, but he also knows who we are, knows everything about us, and he brings forgiveness into our lives. If people come to church and have fun, but they don't hear the truth about Jesus, does it do any good? I don't think so. Going to church can actually be painful sometimes. Having a relationship with God, period, can be painful sometimes. So why do it? Well, we value life and living and being a, uh, you know, finding out our purpose more than we value pain or more than we hate pain. So in other words, a relationship with God is more important to us than the pain. Going to church can be painful, but we value God in meeting with him and loving his family because that's what he values. We're meant to live and we need to sense our need for life-giving grace, and sometimes pain can be that. It just helps us realize that we need his life-giving grace. Sometimes that's why we have a rough day. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, and sometimes it's awkward to have a relationship with God or to go to church. But God says we need it. We need to, we need to know him. And that sense of like, I need something, or I'm empty, or I'm broken, it helps us to seek his life that he gives us freely through Jesus. That's why we have to bring up the law in church, even though it hurts. 
Even though the law screams at us that we have failed, you know the law, those Ten Commandments, all those different ways that we fail. But though that law, it brings us straight to Jesus because it helps us realize that we need a Savior. And he keeps, you know, Jesus keeps that law without fail for us, and he's the hero. And so he gives us his righteousness in exchange for our failure. And that's what we see preached to us. That's what preaching is. It's not comfortable or entertaining all the time, but it's absolutely necessary for life. So let's read our text again, the two verses that we're studying in Colossians, and we'll move on. For him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The word warning there can also be translated counseling, counseling. So if you found it weird to to say, I'm going to warn you, Jesus is awesome, it is kind of weird. It's more like counseling. Paul says we should care enough about people to help them to know God's plan of salvation. God has a plan, and he's given it to us, and he's given it his word. And so he says, I want you to care enough about your neighbors and your enemies and your friends and your family to help them, to counsel them, to know what God has done for them. And then they can make the choice on their own. He's not, he doesn't say, you know, beat them up until they believe. He doesn't say try to trick them. He says, love them and counsel them. Help them to know the truth. Care enough to study their points of view. Care enough to listen to them. And, and then use wisdom and love to respond with the truth of the gospel. That's how you guys can be used greatly in this world. God, is, God wants to use you in your family's life, in your kids' lives, in your enemies even. You know, for those of you who already know Jesus and are at church, we still need to be preach Jesus to every man. We still need to preach this. Because we need him just as much after we get saved as before. He's still our life. Our spirit is united with him, and we need him desperately, right? All of us here in church, you guys say amen to that? Amen. That's what he means when he says that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Do you see those words? That we may present every man perfect in Christ. The process of sanctification or becoming more perfect is a byproduct of knowing and abiding in Jesus and the gospel. Jesus does all the work for us. He makes us perfect in standing and in practice or He starts a relationship with you, and he continues the relationship with you. And eventually, up in glory, we'll see that relationship perfected. All this happens through Jesus alone. So we got to preach Jesus to everyone. People who haven't heard, and preach Jesus to Christians so that we can abide in him more. Speaking of preaching, why don't blood cells preach the gospel? 
because you aren't supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. (laughs) All right, we're going to read that text one more time and talk about the end of it. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, Paul says, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works mightily in, or in me mightily, okay? So you guys want to strive. I know you guys want to. I get this question all the time. What are we supposed to do? Well, you can strive. This is the thing we can strive in, to preach with all our heart, with the power of the Spirit, the love that Jesus has put inside us. All the free grace he has given us. Guys, I got to ask you this question. Are you even open to sharing the gospel? I annoy my wife incessantly. But I think I'm the most, the one I'm most proud of is that she, I, I'm always, she, whenever we meet anybody, she's like, once you're done sharing the gospel, come meet me in the car. Okay. Because I really do love to share the gospel, right? I'm not lying. Yeah. Whenever we sell something on Craigslist, oh, it's on. Um. And, it, and I don't think about what I'm going to say beforehand. Um, and that some of that comes from just experience and just having done it for a long time. I'm not worried about what people are going to say. And I really don't care what people think about me. Um, so, uh, But I, I do care about people, and so I don't just speak rudely to them. But I do ask them all the time, hey, do you want to know what Jesus has done for you? Or, hey, I'd like to invite you to my church where we talk about what Jesus has done for us. Or, can I tell you about what Jesus has done in my life? And those are just really easy, conversational things. Or, I tell them, do you have any views on God or heaven or the afterlife? Any of these things get us into a conversation where I can share the gospel. And when I share the gospel, I really don't want it to be like, okay, Here's the Romans road. The Bible says you have to believe this and have to believe this and has to believe this, which is great, and you can use that, and people may need that at a certain time in their life, but I really just want them to know that I know Jesus and that they can know the same Jesus I know because he's awesome. And so my question for you guys is, Paul says, to this end I labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Are we doing that? Are you working for the Lord? Maybe it's just you weren't comfortable, uh, you, you haven't been comfortable. We can help you with that. You don't need to be comfortable to tell your story. Maybe you're, you're afraid. We can work on that too. See, it says that we, we, he labors through the strength, through, through what do you say? Through according to his working, which works in me mightily. So Paul isn't saying that this is something he musters up in himself, 
Like, I got to share the gospel with 10 people today, so I'm just going gonna to do everything I can to make this happen. He, that's not how he says this happened. He says this is just an overflow of his relationship with God. He is spending time with the Lord, and through that, his heart is overflowing with God's love and his grace. And so when he has a conversation with someone, no matter who that person is, it's just going to flow out of him, even if it means he's just silent and listens to that person. That can be an expression of God's love and grace. It doesn't have to be, I, wait, I have to say something now. You said, okay, you said you don't know. So I say, please don't be like that. <laughs> be authentic, right? Dana got this awesome shirt that says, what's it say? Love people, be authentic. I don't know, she's going to wear it next Sunday. So you guys can all... <laughs> You guys can all read it. So what I'm saying is that the gospel should be so at work in you that it's overflowing. So here's what happens, guys. You're going to have a someone come to your mind. You're going to have a conversation smack you in the face this week where someone is just going to be right there. And you're going to have the thought, maybe I should say something. I'm telling you right now, it's not you putting that thought in your brain. It's God. And he will, he will give you what you need. He will meet you. He will use you. Even if it's just say, you should come to church and meet this Jesus because I'm learning about him too, and, and he's blowing my mind. Or if you feel comfortable telling him about Jesus more than that, go for it. But if you shut down that voice this week, that's sad. But I've done that thousands of times. I've shut down that voice, and God constantly gives me another chance and gives me another chance because he is love and he is patient and he's always working in me. And now I share with more boldness because of his love that he has showed me because of the, the way that he's been gentle with me. This is not some burden he's putting on us that you have to do this. But he's saying you get to partner with me and I'm wanting to use you. I want to partner with you. So I'm going to be prompting you in your heart, share with this person, share with that person, doesn't matter if you know him. Doesn't matter if you don't know him. Just see what I could do with you. We have all kinds of fears that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, that we don't have the words to say, that we don't even know how much we believe it all, that we're struggling. And guys, God never says any of those things are required. In fact, he delights in using the weak and the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He's looking for those who are willing to trust him. Okay, God, you've saved me, and you say you want, the guys read it. Nathan, you read it. Kevin read it. Josh, you read it. You want to use me to share this gospel. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, and I'm going to labor according to what you have done in me, I'm going to give time to sharing the gospel. Okay, guys.
I'm obviously encouraging you to share the gospel, invite people to church. We are going to share the gospel fully and completely every Sunday. So even if you're scared, just invite someone to church. Okay? We don't know how long we can even be here as a church. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. North Korea might bomb us tonight. We don't know. You're like, great, now I'm scared of that. No, guys. We only have a short life. And this is all that life is about. Knowing Christ and making him known. So let us stand up and with a heart of surrender, we're going to sing a couple songs. You guys ready? How many songs are we doing? Two songs. Are they good? Yes. <laughs> we're singing a pirate song. Josh was like, yes. <laughs> preaching, 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 preaching. Him we preach, guys. It's not about what we have to share. It's just him. He can take care of his own reputation. You just tell people Jesus loves them. Jesus wants to speak to them and invite them. Okay, there's cards all over the church. Uh, grab a couple and see if, if God is going to open the door up for you to maybe invite someone or just share, share with, um, you know, they don't have to come to our church. Tell them to go to any church. Although, it'd be cool if they came to our church because we are cool. Just kidding. We're not, huh? No. We used to be emo. <laughs> this is not <laughs> the cool church. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you use silly people like us uh, to, to build and grow your kingdom. You have people in this city that you love so desperately, and you are going to reach them this week, whether it's through us or through somebody else. But God, we pray that you would use us. God, my heart is just filled with your love for me. And God, I, I have to share it with people around me. So give us that heart, Lord. Help us to see that our lives matter, that our, our life is not just a waste, but we could be used for eternal things. God, we love you because you first loved us, and I pray that we would worship you with all our heart and soul, and I pray we would worship you by giving you our, our week this week, giving you our our um, our hearts, being willing to speak your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.